0: Welcome, everybody, to the Pierce Point Podcast. This podcast is designed to be a thought-provoking journey through the scriptures. Every weekday, my friend and fellow pastor, Barney Estes, and I walk through the word of God verse by verse. As always, we'd love to know your thoughts about today's episode. You can hit us up at Pierce Point Church on Facebook or Instagram. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, here we are, two chapters away from this long journey that we've taken through the Gospel of Luke. And I'm excited about it because, not because of the particular story in view, it's a painful story, the crucifixion of Jesus, but uh, it is really amazing to walk through and to know that day by day, we um, we have taken a very detailed study, detailed step-by-step process through the entire gospel. Mm-hmm. And Lord willing, we're going to keep doing this through every uh, every book, and we'll, we'll learn more and more as we go. And as we roll out of Luke, we're going to roll right into the book of Acts. And I can't wait to get into the hot water we're about to get into that. But anyway, <laughs> <It should be laughs> it's just, just my thoughts there. So we're going to start in chapter uh twenty three which is Jesus before Pilate, so what stands
1: out to you, sir? Well, I think we're about to see this drama again unfold here that is uh uh quite unlike you couldn't make this stuff up I mean it is uh we see a a a lot of uh, uh drama that's related to all of the things that that the that the Romans are doing and the things that the that the Jewish leadership are doing and so much of it was uh, seemingly uh, incorrect uh, and at outright illegal uh, against their own law. So we're going to see that 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 continues through this whole crucifixion and the hearings and all of the standing before the standing before the uh, officials and that. Yeah. So we're about to see that that's playing out exactly the same yes
0: I think if we if we put this all uh, in the right perspective we have to understand that these people have never been able to find something truly against Jesus they're looking for something to blame him for they want to uh, they want him out of the picture he is causing a great disturbance for them and they're way of life and all of these things, but they're looking for a way to blame him, to accuse him of something. They can't find it. In the very uh, last chapter, he he simply says to them when they ask the question, are you the son of God? This is the high priest who's asking this question, are you the son of God? And he answers them and says, yes, I am. And their response is, "What further need of any testimony do we need? Uh, We we've heard it from his mouth." But what they do next is still astounding because they don't trump him up on blasphemy charges. They go and they take him before Pilate because the way they it, it seems that they know in their mind they still don't have anything here. And they want to make sure that they're not violating their own laws, at least God's law. They violated their own law a thousand times, but but they, they, they are trying not to do something in a wrong way. So verse 1 says, the whole body of them got up and they brought Jesus before Pilate. Now, remember, they had switched uh, to do the little mock trial in the day because they had uh, violated their own laws by doing a trial in the middle of the night. Previous to this, and so they they that morning when they did this mock trial, they bring him before Pilate. They get together and they bring him before Pilate, verse two, and they began to accuse him, saying, "We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king." Uh, so why would they say this kind of thing to Pilate? Because in the Roman world. Uh, Caesar is Lord, nobody else, mm-hmm. and they're going, and that's going to that's going to cause Caesar to to that's going to cause the leader of the Roman world to come down uh, with a crushing blow. But they also throw out there that he has forbidden people to pay taxes to Caesar. Has he done that? He's not. Absolutely not. So I- even in this, they don't say. He has violated our blasphemy laws, and he needs to be killed. They don't even go there; mm-hmm. they they go right to this mm-hmm.
1: Roman issue. I think they're playing to the whole part of what Pilate uh, could do for them. So, for first of all, they know that they can't execute a criminal. The Roman government absolutely disallowed the Jews from executing him. By that, they they couldn't do it. So, so the religious leaders they they appeal to conscious Pilate, who was the Roman governor over that region of Judea. Now, here's, the, here's an interesting piece that Jewish leaders, first of all, uh, and, I, and I want to get to the part about the three things that they accuse him of, but the Jewish leaders expected that when they go to Pilate, Pilate was not known to be a nice guy. He, <laughs> and it, as a matter of fact, he had a reputation for being cruel Ruthless, he was. He was completely insensitive to any any concern that the Jews had about their law. He could care less about the Jewish law, and he told them that on many occasions. and 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 he didn't care about Christianity. Obviously, that wasn't a thing even then. But he did not care about any any of those uh, uh, ceremonies or laws that they had. So they felt like that they would get him to say, "This guy's not very nice anyway." he's just going to want to get Jesus out of the way for them. So they you're exactly right, they 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 come up with three three different things. They actually thought that Pilate would say, "Yep, he needs to die. Done." And and that's not what ha- what happened at all. So they come up to him and they say, now to seal the deal, they use three things. They said that first of all, we found he was kind of misleading the nation, kind of a revolutionary, a rabble-rouser, and just Untrue, completely untrue. Wasn't misleading the nation. They were alluding to the Roman government, is what they were alluding to. That he knew, they knew that 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 Pilate could care less about what what he was doing to the Jews. He he didn't care about that. Exactly. And then they said that he inciting people not to pay taxes to Caesar. We know from a couple of chapters back that he did exactly the opposite of that. He said, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's." Exactly. And then. The most startling one, I think, to me was that they claimed that Jesus—they uh, they said that Jesus was claiming to be a king in opposition to Caesar, of all things. Yeah. just couldn't have been more uh, trumped up, made up uh, situation that, that none of it was true. So, And then Pilate startles them, though, with what he does. He doesn't. Condemn him to death right yes, then. Yes,
0: absolutely. So, it just confirming the uh, the component that Pilate is the one who has the only authority to exercise capital punishment. We don't just find this from historical understanding. We find this or from extra biblical historical understanding. We find it from the biblical understanding itself as it stands as a, as a testimony of historical evidence. In John 1831, it says, so Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. Why did they come to Pilate? It's back to the, the, the way we led this off. The reality is they had their own blasphemy laws. They couldn't pull, pull this one out. They couldn't do what they needed to do. And they weren't permitted to put anybody to death. To death. They had a bloodlust. They wanted him gone. It wasn't enough to just put him away. So they bring him to the one who actually can kill him. And so so as you said really well, uh, they, they bring it before him and they they lay it all out there. And it just doesn't kind of it just doesn't go the way they were anticipating it to go initially. Um, I, I do think it's worth pointing out that that third accusation, right? We've got the misleading our nation, not true. Forbidding to pay taxes, exact opposite of that. Uh, and then third, this man is saying of himself that he himself is Christ the King importance about that third claim is that the term Christ is the term for Messiah, Mm -hmm. which means they knew full well what he was claiming Mm -hmm. about himself. As uh, many pastors and commentators have jokingly said, you know, Jesus isn't his first name and Christ his last name. (laughs) He was Jesus the Messiah, not Jesus Christ, whatever that might mean to people. So so he was claiming to be Messiah, and you can imagine Pilate thinking, well, what does that have to do with anything? So, verse 3, Pilate does ask him, he says... Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said it. And this is where that phrase is the same as what we've read above when he told them before, Are you the son of God then? Yes, I am. Same Greek phrase, just rendered in English, just a, a slight bit different. It is as you say. This is his response okay. to, uh, to Pilate. I am, in fact, the king of the Jews. Now, why would Pilate not really be concerned much about that? They were already in control of the Jews. Yes, I don't care if you're king of uh, yeah. anything. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Well, yeah, you can be king of Saturn. You're yeah. still under my <laughs> jurisdiction and my authority. It doesn't. It doesn't change a thing. So, verse four, Pilate said to the chief priests and to the crowds, "I find no guilt in this man." Yeah. Okay. So, so what has just happened? Number one, he is in some way judged. He's not trying to lead, uh, mislead a nation. Number two, he's not uh, dealt with anything with regard to taxes. And even if he is your king, what do I care? Exactly, you're still under my control. So amazing that that Pilate's response is, "I got no yeah. guilt in this man."
1: And I I I I read where a where a language scholar, so a Greek and Hebrew language scholar, this in verse three where where he asked he asked Jesus are you the king of the jews now and and this i had to i had to study this a little bit because i didn't understand the the you in that sentence are you is in the emphatic position so it would read he would have said you the king of the jews mm-hmm. he would have looked at jesus and said you know, you, I, you? And, and 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 i think that fits with what he said he did he saw no uh, nothing as you've said, nothing that would concern him about anything having to do with the Romans or the government of Rome. He was like this is this you you know you mentioned John this is you you guys should have just taken him out and taken care of him yourself. He would have probably turned and looked the other way. A lot of scholars thought that he was offering them a A bone, if you will, to say, "Hey, won't you go out and kill him?" We don't care what you do with these people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Plus, they're they're of no consequence to us. This this
0: was. I mean, let's let's just say we go down the path of of what some commentators say, and that is that Pilate actually ignores the first two accusations. Some commentators believe that Pilate is simply ignoring the uh, leading a nation astray and and telling people not to pay taxes. Let's say that that's actually what happened. There was so little effect to those two accusations. So uh, there was no evidence of them or so little evidence of them that Pilate thinks that they're not worth acknowledging. Mm -hmm. So none of this stuff, he is not afraid in uh, he's not afraid of Jesus. And there's ways he should be, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll find that out later. But there he's not afraid of Jesus in this. He's not afraid of the Jews either. He just thinks this whole thing is a joke. Mm-hmm. He's like, just I there's I find no guilt in this man. Just off with you guys. Bye-bye. Yeah. You know, find find another place to 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 deal with your squabbles inside <laughs> of this. So uh his his actual phrase is i find no guilt in this man but they kept on insisting saying he stirs up the people teaching all over judea starting from galilee even as far as this place when pilate heard it he asked whether the man was a galilean so there's obviously this mm-hmm. this really interesting challenge here about the about from being from galilee But it says, when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, which is really the heart of the Galilean issue, it's not just that Galileans were troublemakers, there were rebellions, we've talked about this in the past, there were a lot of rebellions that seemed to come from Galilee. But more so, verse 7 seems to indicate what the real concern is. Knowing that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. So... Let me just kind of tie some, some loose ends together here. They're still not accusing him of anything against God's law. They they can't point the finger at Jesus, even though they said, we've heard enough. He, you know, he's a blasphemer. We've heard enough. They can't do anything about any of this. And that is where they're afraid, when they lose control over a situation they know that Jesus's message is taking root. They know that it's transforming lives. They know that it's putting them out of business in many ways. What we're seeing here in a very interesting uh, parallel, we're seeing the same thing that happens to Paul when he starts dealing with the the goddess Artemis and and all of these shrines that are uh, being built and these or these uh, these idols that are being built and that their trade is going under. These people's idolatry is beginning to be revealed, mm-hmm. and they want they are so angry with Jesus they just want him gone. But in every bit of the accusation, none of this is he's violated our laws. Mm-hmm. He has done what is wrong against our laws. Think about why this would matter. Now, we're, we're going to see how this all unfolds, but why this ma- would matter is that if Pilate wants to keep peace, but inside of the people he's leading or he's lording it over, there is unrest, he has a problem. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that they turn it to that after a while, but it's all about being under unrest. And they can't seem to show that there's genuine unrest, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which leads me to this idea and tying all these loose ends together. It leads me to believe that the revolution that Jesus began didn't come with an attempt to overthrow anybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It didn't come with an attempt to overthrow anybody. The problem is it was, uh, it wouldn't allow them, it couldn't allow them to maintain their religious power their legalistic power over the people. And so anyway, they, they can't accuse him with anything, and Jesus or er, and, and Pilate finally
1: says, well, this thing needs to go to Herod. Yeah. So I, I think it is so it is so interesting because, first of all, I think that Pilate kind of sees through he's 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 a cruel, ruthless man, but he's not stupid. He sees what they're trying to do. And but on the other hand, these these leaders, these these Jewish leaders were not stupid either and and i think you're exactly right when you alluded to the fact that they they knew that there would if if anybody stirs up the people and gets a roman a, a roman governor governor would certainly be concerned about someone stirring up a riot or ca- causing an insurrection or, or causing something where he had to get roman troops involved so but in in verse 5 when it, they it says they kept on insisting it, after Pilate had already said, I, I don't find any fault, no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. They were saying, Pilate, he's out of your jurisdiction, stirring up people, on, and it's leading right to your your, your, your house. Front door, yep. And then, then, as you've said, when Pilate heard that he was a Galilean, He's like, okay, here's my opportunity to get him out of out, out of my hands and get him over into Herod. Now, there's this weird thing going on that we learn about between Herod and Pilate. Yes. They were it, the. I'm trying to remember where it was. I think it was it was I can't remember where where else. It may have been John or Acts. Maybe it's in John. I think it is in John that says that Pilate and Herod were were enemies until. Until Pilate sent Jesus to Herod because Herod happened to be in in Jerusalem at the time. The scripture verse seven says this. So there's this odd drama that's going on, and from that time on, they were friends. They they were friends because it, 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 this this is just so much about the the drama of the Jews trying to convince the Roman. Government that Jesus is doing something against them when they know good and well that the Roman government could care less what he does and could care less what they do. They just don't want a riot in their town. They don't want Roman troops having to come in and, and settle down an insurrection or a riot. This is, this is uh, there's been movies made of this, and it is, it is, but this is real life. And you think about the kind of mindset that it took. When some of these people, and keep in mind, we, we know that there were devout Jews that believed in, in Jesus. We, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, you know, Nicodemus, and there were devout Jews uh, living in this situation that knew who Jesus was. And it's uh, amazing to me, it's amazing to me that the majority of these people we're like, we have our own agenda here. We need him to be dead and out of our hair. Yes. We don't want to stir up. We don't want him stirring up our, our situation. We we like the way we have it here. We're ruling quite well, and things are going along okay for us. Yes. I, I'm reminded in this whole interplay between
0: uh, between Herod and Pilate that the world sometimes understands Jesus' principle better than the church does, or then definitely the Jewish people did. Jesus once said that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Pilate knows this. Mm-hmm. Pilate knows that, okay, there's a tension between he and Herod. There's there's something going on there. But if Pilate wants to continue to uh, be in a good standing in his position— he knows there's a political game to play. He knows that there's a measure, of, uh, you know, a measure of reaching over across the aisle that he has to do. We see this in politics today. And so he knows that a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So he is willing to go, hey, this is Herod's stuff let's let's work this out mm-hmm. let's let's kind of keep peace here meanwhile the jewish leaders can't seem to get their own act together and the kingdom they're divided against is god's kingdom yes. <laughs> this yes. is a dangerous place that they find themselves in so so herod happens to be in jerusalem at the time That's what we read in verse 7. Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. And then verse 8 goes right on and says, Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus, for he had wanted to see him for a long time because he had been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. So Herod looks at Jesus as a sideshow, and he's excited about this. Um, And somehow there's curried favor there between Herod and Pilate, because Pilate says, well, he's under Herod's jurisdiction and Herod happens to be here. So let's work all of this out. So somehow Herod is now got an audience with Jesus. Then verse 9, and he questioned him. So the he here is referring to Herod. Mm-hmm. He, Herod, questioned Jesus at some length, but he, Jesus, answered him nothing. <laughs> so uh, it's not against Uh, Roman law for Jesus to not say a word. It would have been against the Jewish law. So Jesus answers him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes were standing there accusing him vehemently. So imagine that this is going on. This man wants to see you. This leader of the Roman world of some kind uh, is wanting to see you. He wants to see the sideshow. He's asking or grilling you questions. You're not answering. Meanwhile, your accusers won't relent at all. They're they're actually being relentless. They are just vehemently accusing Jesus. So Herod with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt, that is Jesus with contempt, and mocking him, make no mistake, the seeking out for Jesus to perform a miracle was not of genuine searching. Yeah. They were, it was a sideshow that they thought they were seeing and they were haranguing him completely. So it says in in the second part of 11, they dressed him in a gorgeous robe. What a strange detail Mm -hmm. there, but they dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Now, Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day for before they had been enemies with each other. So right there, we've got why this brought them together? Because mm-hmm. Herod reached over the aisle. Herod understands how this political game works, or Pilate did, and he played
1: it well. Yeah, he completely did, and I and we see this playing out in this kind of story inside of a story. And and you're right. I mean, it's it, some people think that Herod may have had some interest in the the faith that Jesus had talked about her that he had no interest in that he wanted he wanted to show he wanted to be entertained more than anything and it 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 seems as though uh, when you look at what at what Herod had, keep in mind <laughs> Herod had been the one that had killed John the Baptist had John the Baptist killed yep. he he had been he uh, so all this is in the mind of the people, and it's certainly because it, as far as an earthly uh, family was concerned, uh, John the Baptist would have been Jesus' earthly cousin. So uh, Jesus knows all this, and Jesus knows exactly that he's looking for a sideshow. He's looking to be entertained. This is something else for him to play around with, and when, it, when Jesus didn't go along with his playing it gets a little more serious they start they start to mock him and beat him and treating him with contempt and it, and it's like my goodness you are you have the lord of glory standing in in front of you and all you want is just for him to some perform some miracle so you can say oh you saw a miracle couple of things
0: to kind of point out here number 1 is that many today even among uh religious circles they only want a relationship with Jesus because they want him to perform some sort of yeah, sideshow and that is a sad place to find yes. yourself the second thing is that in this moment uh, Herod does not want to kill Jesus he has no. no he has no agenda to kill Jesus and here's why because just like Pilate they're not impressed mm-hmm. They're not impressed by the Jewish people. They're not impressed by the claims about this man, Jesus. They're not impressed. They believe themselves to be so locked in authority, no one can raise their hand against them. Now, we're going to hear some of Jesus' words later when he says things like, you only have the authority over me that my Father gives you. And those are amazing words to speak to the ruling class of the day. But here's the third piece, that that if we're not good Bereans, if we're not good students of the Scripture, we will not connect the dots— that we need to connect to fully interpret past stories. If you remember, back in Luke chapter 13, we remember a story where the Pharisees had approached Jesus and they told him that he needed to leave because Herod wanted to kill him. And we debated this and we, rather, rather we discussed this at length that this was actually them Making up a story about what Herod wanted to do with Jesus because it was actually them who wanted him to go Mm -hmm. away. Remember, we talked Mm -hmm. about this several, several weeks ago on the podcast. My confirmation of this story comes all the way now in Luke 23. Herod had no desire to kill Jesus. He doesn't care about Jesus. He's not intimidated by Jesus, which means that in Luke chapter 13, verse 32, when, when Jesus responds to the Pharisees and says, Go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I'll reach my goal. That statement, go and tell that fox. Was listen up, foxes. Mm-hmm. He was calling them foxes. Herod wanted nothing. Herod didn't care about yes. Jesus. Yes. And even in this moment, we confirm it because Herod doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Herod's like, hey, if this guy can perform some miracles, think about why he would be emboldened to such a uh, to such a disposition. John, the forerunner of this Jesus character, as you rightly pointed out, he's already gone up against Herod, and he lost his head. Exactly. Okay, so why would Herod be intimidated? Why is Herod afraid of anything? Well, Herod never wanted Jesus dead. In this, he wanted a show. That's it. The truth that we reveal in this kind of in-depth study as we reveal that the Pharisees were even willing to go to a point of lying to get Jesus to get out of their town so that the messages that he was preaching would go away. Mm-hmm. Because they were intimidated by him.
1: Yeah,
0: They they knew the people were siding with Jesus, and they couldn't have it. So I just wanted to connect those That's dots awesome. because it is a fascinating connection if we're really, really giving our heart to look at the words on the page. It doesn't take any level of education. It doesn't take a smart person. Trust me when I say this. This is just looking at it and saying, wow, if I connect this with this, here's what I can Logically conclude. Yes, Herod didn't yes. want him dead. Herod wanted to see a show. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Every it seems that everyone here had some sort of weird type of agenda that they you know the the relig- religious leaders somewhat feared Christ because of the, him upsetting their apple cart. Pilot he could he could have cared less. He just didn't want him. To, he just didn't want him to make him look bad. He's like, yeah, well, I'll, <laughs> if I can play around, if I can mock him. And Herod is the same way. Herod didn't take Jesus seriously. He could have cared less. He's mocking him. He's putting a robe on. He's actually making fun of the Jews at this point, you know, and they don't catch it. They don't even know that. It's just amazing to me because they all had some kind of odd, odd agenda. And that odd agenda leads them to doing whatever it takes to see that Jesus gets killed. Yes, and that's just an amazing thing. It's just wow. Now, I I I've read commentators' uh,
0: ideas on uh, this friendship that struck up between Herod and Pilate in this moment, and here here is just my basic uh, nuts and bolts view of it. My basic view is that Pilate, what we have here basically is a king and a ruler, and the king and the ruler become uh, become close. They become friends, which they were once divided. And that is because one knows how to play the political game well and curry favor to his side. He knows how to win friends and influence people, if you will. But uh, many commentators have com- have said about this that the irony here is is really interesting that even in Jesus's uh, trial and ultimate crucifixion. He brings reconciliation between world forces. Yeah. It, it, it just It is an interesting yes. idea yeah, that Jesus' cool. yeah. death is bringing people together in ways that no one foresaw. Uh, so very interesting. Yes. So we roll right from there into verse 13, and Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion, and behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. Now here's here's the point that I wanted to draw out of these two verses. Those three accusations we saw above, according to verse 14, Pilate weighed all of them. Mm-hmm. So he looked at all of them. He didn't see an insurrection or a rebellion big enough to worry about. He didn't find any bearing or any weight to the don't pay taxes piece. And he could care less if he thought himself the king of anybody. Yeah, He didn't care. But what we have expressly stated is, I have examined him before you. I have examined. I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against mm-hmm. him. So I'm only examining the things you've said. And I don't find anything. Mm-hmm. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. Mm-hmm.
1: That's his
0: mm-hmm. mo here.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's it, either either one of these men could have had him killed quickly. Either one of these men. And 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 I I I love the fact that that. Uh, that in all of Pilate's rundown of everything, he knows, he seemingly knows, he has to be pretty detailed in saying, as you pointed out, I, I've examined uh, all of the charges. I, I've, I've found no guilt in any of the things that you've charged him with. And neither has Herod, by the way. Neither has Herod. And and uh, I, so I, I do, I do find it, interesting in verse 16, where he says, therefore, I will punish him and release him. So what exactly were they punishing him for? So when you think about what they're going to do to him, it it was, they were going to, he was going to get a a scourging. And this was brutal. This, many people didn't survive a Roman scourging. So I, I, this was not a this wouldn't have been something you'd done to an that you would do to an innocent man. Yeah. So they could have cared less. It's like, look, I. It was almost saying, uh, don't don't bring any of these things before me. We we don't we don't want to deal with any of you, the issues between you and your religious laws and what you think about who your king is. I could care less about this. I. But he couldn't legally couldn't kill him for any things that the Jews had charged him with. Right. but he could still give him a scourging to the point of death nearly so yeah. I, I yeah. it was just amazing so yes.
0: so that that issue there right in right in and of itself is definitely a hotly contested issue uh there were there were levels of people's beatings and punishments by the Jew or by the Roman elite um, there are there are clearly those who look at this and say that is very clearly a Roman scourging and that that killed people. Oftentimes, yeah. it's a fact. Um, there are others who say this was a this was a lesser uh, punishment. Here, regardless of which one it was, here's what I can conclude from this, from reading this. Although Rome is not intimidated by the Jews or this Jesus character and what he is claiming at this point in the story, here's what their thought is. This will teach everybody to mess with us. This will teach you to even... You're going to think, okay, if this really is a guy trying to cause insurrection, uh, this will be far worse than daddy's SWAT, okay? So he's not going to do this again. No matter who he is, okay, and the intimidation factor goes up a notch. Not only do we have Herod dressing Jesus in a purple robe and then and then mocking him, but now we have Pilate saying, um, "We're going to paddle your king on his backside and send him back to you." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are, as you as you so well put it earlier, they are mocking the Jewish people through and through. And they're too stupid to see yeah, it. Yeah, they're like, what's, yeah. what's the, what is happening here? So they get really adamant about what is about to happen. They get really serious about this. And I think that begins to shift Pilate's mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That begins to make him go, wait a second, what is going on here? I've just told them that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish him and I'm going to return him. You're not going to have a problem with this guy after we do what we do. That's what he's thinking, at mm-hmm. least in in my uh, understanding mm-hmm. of it. And yet, their their adamant uh, pers- their persistence here mm-hmm. is just unparalleled. So, verse seventeen says, "Now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner." And that that term "obliged to," uh, he was actually required to. Mm-hmm. There was there was a thing, there was a deal that was struck between Rome and uh, and. Israel so so he was he was in some ways obligated to do this, and he would release that, but they cried out all together, and this is a staggering thing. Mm. They cry out all together saying, "Away with this man, Jesus, and release for us Barabbas, okay, on the surface, we're like away with okay, big deal. Okay, but everybody there knew who Barabbas was. And verse 19 and on help us to understand. He was one who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. an actual insurrection. This is legally provable insurrection. And a murder. Made in the city and for murder. So right there, that begins to cause you to pause and say, hold on a second. What? Yeah. Yeah. What this guy? I have found this guy not guilty, and you want a found guilty man? I'm confused yes. here. If I'm pilot, I'm really scratching my head in this.
1: I, Thoughts I, on that? I, I love that this this uh, verse number seventeen, where he says he was obliged. Now, scholars believe that this. Deal that was worked up that he was obliged to release to them at the feast, the Passover feast, one prisoner. They this was they, they don't find a lot of uh, legal uh, documentation of this. Right. They believe it to be a gentleman's agreement that the Romans came up with that this was their idea. So he was certainly obliged to do something that Rome had had. Come to the the Jewish people and said, "Here, here's what, we, here's how good we are. We'll release at the Feast of Passover, which we could care less about anyway. We'll release to you one of your <coughs> prisoners. We'll do that because we're just that kind yes. of people." And and so he was obliged. He was more obliged, even though that wasn't anything that they could document. Everybody knew that was an agreement between between Rome and and Israel. But and then you. Pointed out that they're here. They have they've asked him to release a man that's done exactly what they're what what Rome would have said. Yeah, this guy is an insurrectionist. He is a murderer. He deserves to die. This is this is, uh, this, is uh, this is a very interesting drama that's going on. The, this this crowd that Pilate uh, uh, whom uh, Pilate was. convinced that he could turn him back over. He could scourge him and turn him back over to them. And it was done. And as you've said, it would be like, now don't, don't bother us with your trivial concerns about who your king is. We don't care. We don't care. But, but, but Pilate didn't, Pilate knew that the worst thing that could happen, that he get these Jews worked up or the people that were that were somewhat siding with Jesus at this point. he he's, and So he starts to see, I think, this whole situation of he's got the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people now at odds with each other. And he's like, these people are nothing but a pain in the neck. Yes. You know, they're, they're and, and, and but so he's, at some point, he's finally said, okay, all yeah. right. I
0: I, 'm I'm, I'm done with this I'm and done I, with it. I think it's at the point of I think it's at the point of the influence of these Jewish elite, these yeah. leaders, yeah. these chief priests because in verse 17 you know he's he's obliged to release to them uh, at the feast one prisoner, but they cry out all together and that right there they cry out all together saying away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Now in Luke's gospel, it's really easy for us to look at that and say they cried out all together. That must be that it was the chief priests and those people. Yeah, sure. We we definitely have the chief priests, the rulers, but we also see from verse thirteen that it's it's all the people. But in Mark's gospel, here's what we here's what we read, and this really is the power that uh, that leadership uh, wicked leadership because good leadership has the opposite power it has it has a good redeeming power but uh, but uh, unrighteous leadership has a very serious power verse 11 of mark 15 says but the chief priest stirred up the crowd mm-hmm. to ask him that is Pilate to release Barabbas for them instead the chief priests had this kind of power to stir up a crowd, to ask for a murderer instead of an innocent yes. man. Yeah. What kind of lemmings are these people yeah. that they're just going to go along with this and they're just going to go, you know, they're going to do this? Now, it, it is true that all of this stuff is going to come about as per the, the, the will of of God. There are things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. But this is an example of how God works all things together for the good or how he sovereignly brings about his purposes. It does not say that these people were drummed up against their will and they couldn't do anything because well prophecy said so. Doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. They were stirred up to go a wrong direction based on wrong information and very powerful people. Mm-hmm. This is true of us in our world today that we can be duped we can be duped we can think we're something special we can think that we're you know that we are absolutely uh higher than these kinds of things but this entire crowd went along with the mm-hmm. persuasion of the mm-hmm. chief priest to have an innocent man killed mm-hmm. to have an innocent man locked up and ultimately killed versus the insurrectionist known murderer You know the the proven guy on that side. It's just it's a terrible situation. So uh, I just point out the fact that man crowd mob mentality can get really out of hand really quick. Right.
1: So it's an important piece of that that we see that we see that because you're exactly right. There, There were everyone in that crowd could have chosen not to do what they did. Now, as you said, man, you get into wow a really big subject in this. This sovereign will of God that is bringing this to pass, but we we know by the case of we just mentioned just 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 a few minutes ago, Joseph of of Arimathea, you know, Nicodemus. There were some at this time that didn't go along with this, that did not agree with what was happening, but yet they were their their voice in it was completely hushed and stilled because. Uh, first of all, we we have uh, what is very difficult for us to comprehend. We can't always know this, and is that sovereign will of God that says this is this is the prophecy? It has to be because uh, Jesus is going to. He has to go to the cross, or we or we're not we're not saved. Our sins are not covered if he doesn't go to the cross. However, it, it, Jesus said many times, "Man, it, this is." Woe to those that that comes through. Yes. And Jesus Himself knew that this was the sovereign will of God. He 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 knew it
0: without and doubt.
1: Very hard, very yeah. hard, because it's my it, it just it brings up a lot of things in your mind that we that we look at and say, Wow, this was a a farce. It was just a ruse that these guys were doing. But yet, God. has has worked this for our good for eons of time now.
0: Yeah, just as a just kind of nuanced conversation about the sovereignty of God and and uh, and prophecy fulfilled and things like this, I think it's always wise for us to keep in our minds that there are moments in redemptive history that without doubt have to take place. Okay, the crucifixion is one. The resurrection is one. This must take place what I find often goes really uh, awry in conversations about god's sovereignty is believing that every circumstance mm. has that kind of weight no there are people who get in car accidents because well it's an accident that's yes. why we call it a car accident no matter what you might think about it uh, people look at that and say there are pe- there are definitely groups of people that say you know God brought about this to 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 you know, to do some greater good. You're getting into determinism now versus God working all things together for our good. Uh, There's a crossover there. There are things that have absolute no negotiation in them at all. God is going to do a thing. There are other things that just kind of play out the way they do. But here's what we know of all things. God does work all things together for the good of those who love him which is the only understanding that gives any peace to the question of why pain, why struggle, why issues. Why would be sin, but what is God is still working. Don't lose heart. You see, if, if sin is the answer to why pain, and it is an answer to why pain, why suffering, why chaos, sin, that's fine. But unless there's a what, in other words, what's God's response to it, then I'm losing heart just the same. The what is that even though sin brings about or it enables some really wicked stuff to happen, God's promise is this. He will bring it all together for the good of those who love him. That That's a beautiful hope right yes. there. Because when you're facing tragic times in your life, and you're scratching your head and saying, why? The answer may just simply be that we live in a sinful and a fallen world. That won't comfort you. No. But if you're a Christian, what will comfort you is this, that your God is still working those things together for your good. He didn't cause it to happen. He didn't cause your grandma to die just because. He didn't cause this or that to happen. But he is working for your good. So take a deep breath rest, relax, know that God is in control. This is what sovereignty is really about, that God is in control. There's a far difference between God being in control and God determining all things. Just make sure you know the difference. Mm -hmm. With the cross, it was determined. Make no mistake. (laughs) It was to come about, but there is a difference. Not all things are determined, but all things are under his sovereign Mm -hmm. rule. Yeah. He is still God in all circumstances. So
1: very important. I, th- I think that we, we get into a mindset sometimes of, of our lives on this earth and our few years that we have here, and we place all of our eggs in that basket, and we say, that's the most important piece of anything that I know about is right here and now and 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 that's not God's no not not what God says it's not his way that is not what he focuses on and and I can tell you I can say that and I know that there are circumstances in lives in people's lives that that hurt them deeply but I also know that it's still true that God God looks at things drastically different than we look at them. Our 70, 80 years, whatever it is on this earth is 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 we 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 grasp that and hold on to that like that's all there ever is going to be and it's not. It's mm-hmm. not. And and I get why people do that. I do get it. But my goodness, we have to look at it through <laughs> as best we can a different set of eyes and say, we know that God is working in the background. We know that he is because his promises are true and he said that he was, so we know we can trust him.
0: Yes, absolutely. So we continue in this amazing story uh by getting to really the the most ugly piece of Jewish history and In one sense, the most beautiful piece of of human history, uh, which is redemption. So verse 19, he was one who had thrown, speaking of Barabbas, he was one who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and made, uh, that was made in the city and for murder. Mind you, the insurrection was in Jerusalem, (laughs) right where Pilate and Herod were. And then 20, Pilate wanted to release Jesus, addressing them again. Now, I love that line because we get we get to the desire of Pilate. Pilate wanted to release mm-hmm, Jesus. Mm-hmm. He knew nothing was there. He wanted to do this. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. This reminds me of this modern day deplatforming movement where instead of hearing somebody out people shout others down, okay? And Pilate is actually standing there trying to to calm them and say that he's wanting to release Jesus. But they shout over top of him. They kept calling out, crucify, crucify him. It shows you the level of maturity. It shows you the level of, of wickedness, in people when they will not hear out what is happening. These people wanted nothing to do with truth, wanted nothing to do with Jesus, which is both. <laughs> they wanted nothing to do with what was happening here. They just want this, this individual dead. So verse 22, and he said to them a third time, why? Yeah. I, I just imagine yeah. this stressed tone. Why? What evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt Demanding death. Therefore I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified. Mm. And their voices began yeah. to prevail.
1: That's staggering. That is that is very, very staggering. And I I think at about this point, Luke uh, there are this the story in John nineteen tells us that Pilate goes back in. And talks to to jesus again and 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 asks this is the the very uh well-known story that Pilate goes in and and he's he's at this point he's got to be like these people are wanting you dead and 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 you where are you from he asks jesus and and jesus didn't didn't answer him and, and i and and he's S- says, so Pilate's incensed over this, and he's almost, you can almost see the, he's like, look, I'm trying to get you out of, don't you understand? I'm trying to re- re- release you, and you don't speak to me? Yes. Uh, and, and then he, that's when he goes into his famous line, do you not know that I have the authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you? And that Jesus finally tells him the hard truth about yes. what he said. He said, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. I, I, I Pilate was, had to be taken aback. And it, at this point, this was when he had made effort after effort mm-hmm. to try and have him released. He's like, I don't want any part of this anymore. This yeah. is... This is, you said, you know, uh, and then the Jews, we read in the story in John, they upped the ante Mm. and said, now get this, this is how bad it got. If they said to Pilate, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be king opposes Caesar. They're like, now, now what, Pilate? Mm hmm. Exactly.
0: I mean, you're, you're, these are bold statements. Yes. These are bold statements because uh, of anybody, Pilate seems to have this position that he can go and say, I've tried. Yeah. I've tried this man. I've found nothing against him. These people have lost their minds. He's the one who's going to have greater weight Mm. unless there's a giant upheaval. Yeah. If yep. there's a giant upheaval, and Pilate has has there are historical accounts where Pilate Pilate had troubles keeping people in line, keeping the the cities in line. So so maybe just maybe that's what's happening here, and that's what's gotten him uh, so spooked in this situation. But whatever it is, they're pretty bold for yes. saying oh. you're no friend of Caesar's. Yeah. What what are we saying here? Yeah. What are we saying here? Yeah. So, so as we kind of wrap this section up, he he, they're demanding the death of of Jesus. Uh, Luke records something very unique. In his account of this, in that he repeats the crucify language over and over, so it says crucify, crucify him. Whereas in other uh, other translations or other gospels, you could contrast this with Mark fifteen or Matthew twenty seven, and you're actually going to see just crucify him. But it seems that Luke's doubling of the terminology here is to. Just kind of put an exclamation point on the evil of what is taking place here. Verse 22 said to him a third time, what evil has this man done? I find no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I'm going to punish him and release him. So this is the second time that Pilate has said, I'm just going to punish him and I'm going to release him. Uh, and and they're not okay with that. They they know. Here's here's what they know. They know that the message of Jesus has taken root in the hearts of yeah. people, and they know that if they return him, they have a very serious problem. So they they want him dead. Verse twenty three. They were insistent with loud voices asking to be cru- asking that he be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. And it's in between verses twenty three and twenty four that we. We actually look to the gospel accounts sure. of John and others sure. to find those uh, hard conversations between Jesus and Pilate, and 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 how that all fleshes out, like you you pointed out before. But we have a big gap between twenty three and twenty four, and what takes place. But Pilate pronounces the sentence that their demand be granted, and he released the man that they were asking for, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection uh, and murder, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And it just, ah, uh, it just, it baffles the mind, the, the level of hatred that these people had gone to. So here's, here's how I would wrap it up a, a, in this section. And we'll pick up in verses 26, uh, on tomorrow, but I wrap it up by, by thinking back on the parable of the vineyard owner, in which Jesus says the vineyard owner leases his field out, and then he sends servant after servant to the people to gain a little bit of the, the, the reward, a little bit of the produce that had come from the field. But they rejected those, those prophets, those servants, those prophets. They, they even killed one. And then it says that he would send even his own son. And the father or the the owner of the field, the father of this boy that is the heir that he's sending, he says this line, he says, surely they will respect him. That's what God foresees. He knows what's going to happen. I'm not suggesting that God didn't see it coming. But his intent was, surely they'll respect my son. And this is the way they really treat his son. That to me, it shows how off people were, how off the Jewish people were to the intended will of the Father. The son, the heir, they should have known who this was. They should have respected him and held him in high honor. But here's what it proves they didn't not they didn't only disrespect the son. They didn't respect the landowner to begin with, the vineyard owner to begin with. These people don't respect God, mm-hmm. and they want even the Lord of glory to be killed. It's tragic.
1: Mm-hmm. We were bought with a price, and what a great price it was.
0: Well, that's it for today, guys. And if you would, please like and share this podcast with your friends. And finally, remember 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work.